This is CliffCentral.com. Well, he remains one of the nation's shining stars in sport. Brian Habana is the World Cup winning Springbok legend and tri-scoring machine who's known for his finishing ability and eye for intercepting passes and his electrifying pace. But life today for uh, Brian Habana is uh, very different from the days on the field. He's a devoted family man. He works fiercely on the Brian Habana Foundation, and he makes waves through his business, matchkit.co and pay me now. So I'm thrilled to get some time to catch up with Brian today. First of all, man, I did say it to you, you're looking uh, very happy and healthy. Yeah, Gareth, thank you very much. Happy, definitely healthy. We're, like I said, it's, it's debatable. I've been uh, fairly, <laughs> fairly poor, to be brutally honest, since retiring two years ago. But yeah, I think life in the transition phase uh, has kept me extremely busy. And I think I'm fortunate that you know, throughout the rugby, throughout the success, that I've sort of built a brand and you know, sort of educated myself a little bit to try soften the blow of the transition. That is, you know, the the toughest narrative um, in professional sport at the moment. So it's been been a busy two years, but uh, yeah, really good and, and exciting times. Um, and I do just want to say, just quickly before going to the interview, my wife did ask me to just again thank you for backing her. Um, there was like some bad press like about 14 years ago about us. And oh, she wow. like, Gareth Cliff, please tell him that I absolutely still love him. He was the only DJ or radio personality that backed my feelings, backed my own standpoint. So yeah, Gareth. Um, oh, wow. You, okay. You have brownie, I, there might you have be brownie points that I don't even know what, but yeah, my wife appreciates you. <laughs> well, tell her I say millions, other Africans. <laughs> That's amazing, man. All right. So listen, let's just talk about lockdown for a second because you've been locked down with your wife, Janine, and your two kids, and you didn't leave the house for three weeks, right? In the beginning of lockdown. And when you did leave, you wore an orange superhero suit. You want to explain, did, um, you want to explain to me what this means? So first and foremost, yeah, it was the most weirdest time. I mean, last year I had like 134 flights of which 70 auto international um, and it's the longest period I've actually been confined to the four, you know, four walls of my home. And it was enjoyable. I was getting time to spend with the kids. I think the first three weeks I was you know, really into this whole lockdown, like many South Africans, you know, doing these challenges and putting my shirt on upside down, being a handstand. Um, but yeah, <laughs> just at, 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 at week three, I literally just had to get out. Janine was doing the, the grocery shopping, you know, once a week. And I've sort of developed this thing with the little boys, with my boys where, as a dad, you know, I sort of want to show them that I'm just like them. I'm, I'm a kid at heart. And I actually started with Timmy in France in 2016. We went to his crest dressed up in these minion onesies in the winter and it became minion Monday. Um, and then, yeah, I just proceeded to continually buy clothes that, um, fits with them. And Baymax is actually from Big Hero 6 and Timothy had a Big Hero 6 fifth birthday party last year and i was in new york and literally got this gigantic thing and so we both do have baymax outfits and given that i didn't want to incur any unnecessary costs um you know to government and the ppe requirements i just went out in my own um you know fully ppe (laughs) outfit that's amazing all right so listen your wife had a birthday under lockdown how was that because you can't exactly have friends around um yeah so uh, that's a very touching point that I have lost a lot of brownie points for Mr. Cliff. Thank you very much for raising that. My you didn't wife do anything. Of, I did zero. Um, I blamed <laughs> lockdown. Um, and that and that was post me missing it last year because I went with a couple of mates to the Monaco Grand Prix. Um, so, yeah, um, uh, yeah, my brownie points are, yeah, I thought lockdown would help. It unfortunately hasn't. 
Um, I did let her buy herself a gift, which, uh, you know, took a couple of uh, rands out of the bank and yeah. sort of made me feel, yeah, made me feel less, um, <laughs> less bad, if I can put it like that. Sure. Okay. You, you've got some work to do, man. Luckily for you, there's still some lockdown left for you to make up for it. Okay. Let's just talk about the foundation for a minute. Um, the, the Brian Habana Foundation and what you guys do there. Uh, tell me what kind of work you guys are up to. Hmm. Yeah, so Gareth, first and foremost, obviously, I think we all fully understand the power that sport has to make a difference. And, you know, having been at Springbok, having seen the impact that you know, sport can play, particularly in our country, where, you know, that inspirations of hope and, and give back has become really important to me. I've been a Loris ambassador for just on 12 years. And, you know, I sort of formed the Brian Banner Foundation back in 2015, initially with the idea of doing a lot of youth leadership. And I started a team, a banner youth leadership program in the UK and South Africa, allowing you know, youngsters between the ages of 16 and 21 to upskill themselves with lessons I'd learned throughout my rugby career and in so doing impact, you know, their immediate communities and hopefully the greater South Africa. And yeah, just with this lockdown and, you know, seeing the massive food insecurity faced by so many seeing the likes of, uh, you know, Sia Khaleesi, um, you know, Ches and Colby, the guys from Be The Different Foundation, and everyone literally being able to do something. Um, I sort of changed the focus and objectives of the foundation. And in so doing, you know, did some, have been doing some humanitarian aid, collaborating with some fantastic organizations and people. And I think, you know, today we've sort of handed out just over two and a half thousand food parcels, um, which is, wow. yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a small drop. Um, in what is a very massive ocean at the moment. And I think the disparity you know, between the rich and the poor um, and those that are really being affected has only been exacerbated or highlighted by this pandemic. So I think every little bit helps. And as South Africans, I think we all need to be better. I think we need to you know, look, look, look after each other because, yeah, I don't think um, you know, we can expect South Africa to look after us. But it, I mean, you, you're speaking about it really from the point of view of what you guys are, are able to do. But I'm, I'm curious about the way that that makes you feel because you go to some of these houses, to some of these schools, yeah. and you actually do the handovers yourself. And that can be really emotional. It is extremely emotional, but it is also extremely eye opening. Um, you know, I, the, the second week we were doing this, I went into Hungbath in, in Hart Bay and literally went to this extremely underprivileged area where a dis- disabled woman, you know, literally had to walk upstairs to get to her shack that was leaking and had holes and, you know, surrounded by sewerage. And, you know, on the way up to the shack, you know, we walked past a lady being carried from her shack by two gentlemen. Um, and she'd just been, you know, an, in a case of gender-based violence and, you know, face bladded and all of this. And I think, you know, it sort of highlights that disparity. And I think for me, you know, it just, almost inspires me to want to do more. And, and again, I think it's impossible to unfortunately please everyone and, and help everyone. Yeah. But, you know, I've come up with a saying that one is better than zero. And I think for me, given the platform that I have been able to, you know, to get onto and given the opportunity that I get in terms of asking people for money and, and using that money and, and trying to make a difference in people's lives is, yeah, it's just, it's not about feeling good. Um, it's really about trying to make a difference. And I think for me, that, that has been the highlight, you know, being able to go out there and physically, tangibly, you know, see the impact that you can make. And I think in the week three, the guy from the Red Cross said to me, you know, potentially people can go maybe for a day or two or three without food. But as soon as they start losing hope, you know, they lose everything. And I think in, in hearing that, you know, it sort of inspired me just that little bit more to try, you know, try my best. I am at the means to be able to do that, whether that be, you know, personally or through the relationships that I have. And, you know, what it has been absolutely astounding and incredible to see is to see, 
the amount of good out there. You know, the, C- the Khaleesi Foundation with Rachel and C and you know, pick and play, feed the nation. Right? I think I've done over 14 million meals in South Africa over the course of this pandemic. Wow. Um, you know, Food Forward SA, we were raising like 15 million rand. So again, my little piece is just a drop in the ocean. Uh, but I think, you know, as South Africans, like I said, I think we all need to be better. And if we can look after each other, I think we can go a very long way. Now that sounds amazing, man. And congrats on the work that you guys have done. And, and who knows how many lives you've saved, how many lives you've changed. It's, uh, it's no small achievement. It, it's, you say a drop in the ocean, but it's a big deal. I mean, especially at this time where everybody's really just thinking about themselves because they're trying to survive, right? That is so, so true. And, you know, there's you know, people in my immediate surroundings that have been so adversely affected by this, you know, have lost jobs, you know, struggling to, to make ends meet. And you sort of go into those that were in a privileged position um, in your immediate surroundings. And all of a sudden, you know, you look at those that weren't even close to privilege of any sort. So, yeah, it's, you know, it, it has been unprecedented. You know, no one could have planned for this. I think as South Africans, we were all extremely proud you know, in, you know, on that, that was the Wednesday night when President Ramaphosa, you know, told us we're going to be going into lockdown. But, you know, you look at it 14 weeks on, I think the frustration of, you know, where we're going as a country is, is definitely pushing, you know, pushing the boundaries in terms of where we are actually going and how frustrated people are getting. Yeah. Also, how, how many people are, are just, they just want to get back to work so they can actually put some food on the table. Well, it's that, you know, I've got two little boys, six and two, and, you know, homeschooling, the challenges sure. of, you know, being being confined to a, a space uh, yeah. and having to be a parent, a teacher, you know, doing mm-hmm. homework, you know, that while still trying to survive and making ends meet. You know, it's a lot of people worried, you know, where, you know, their next salary is coming from, um, you know, UIF isn't being paid out. So I think the challenges are, are so extreme and I, you know, it's extremely you know, humbling to know that I am in a position, you know, to be able to still have my kids going to school and to be able to still provide for my family. Speaking of speaking that, of your kids, I mean, how has how has the teaching thing gone? <laughs> are you are you suddenly uh, an expert no, in this no. field now? <laughs> no, I am very happy to be paying the amount of money that I'm paying uh, to be sending my children to school. <laughs> yeah. I have yeah. always had respect for teachers. I've always had respect, but this has just made that respect, you know, skyrocket. I think handling two under six and or that are six and two is okay but i mean handling like 22 to 25 yeah. to 30 of them at one time must be <laughs> so yeah um I've, I've actually sort of delegated a lot of that to janine just for the fact that i've also had to try work you know um, and zoom calls for me have been just as busy for them as well because i mean timmy's yeah. been on like four zoom calls a, a morning so yeah it has again that that whole frustration obviously there's the mental wellness perspective of this lockdown you know people being put in this position that they've never had to actually go through. And, you know, no one gave us a, a guide or, or a clarity on, you know, how to not only physically, yeah. but mentally, mentally come through these challenges and challenges that no one has ever faced in their lifetime. So again, it's easy potentially when, you know, you have food on the table, you know, when you have food in the fridge and you have a roof over your head yeah. and you potentially know that you'll be fine for the next month or two or three, but you know, there's just so many that are struggling on so many different levels that, you know, hopefully as a country, we can come out of this better. I think it's going to be extremely tough if you look at it fiscally or economically. But like I say, you know, let's hope that at some point when this thing is eventually over, that, um, you know, we can start rebuilding because I think it's going to take quite a bit of that. So, Brian, you've also got a couple of businesses, and I want to just quickly take a look at some of them. You you started uh, a business with uh, with Ben, who we know very well, and with Mike yeah. Sharman, who we also know very well, Match Kit. 
and you, you've been involved in Retroactive from the beginning as well. Mm. You guys actually won yeah. the Sports Industry's Young Agency of the Year Award in November last year. Congratulations on that. So Thank how's Match, Match Kit coming along? What is that? Give, give us the, the top line of what Match Kit is. Yeah, so, so Match Kit is, I think, something that myself, Mike, and Ben have sort of been you know, thinking about you know, probably for the last eight or so months. Um, and the reason you know, we started thinking about it is, you know, post that Rugby World Cup victory in Japan in 2019, um, mm-hmm. which I was fortunate to be at, you know, I sort of came back there and obviously started Googling a lot of the players and not one of the current Springbok team or that won the World Cup has a .com website. And I sort of got looking into, you know, what, what the cost of these websites were. And obviously you've got some of them that have become global superstars but they don't have any form of consolidated presence in terms of if I wanted to find out something about Sia Khaleesi, you know, did I have to make sure it was his following on Instagram because it was right. 500,000 with the blue tech. And I think for us with MatchKit and the idea is consolidating a platform where all these extremities of a professional athlete's life, you know, your social media likes of a Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, <laughs> a TikTok. I, I haven't done a TikTok dance, so please don't even ask me that yet. Um, you know, potentially a link potentially a LinkedIn, um, you know, consolidating it into an easy, simple to set up platform um, that allows them to not only have everything in one place, but also monetize their career a little bit by putting in an online merch store that they can sell their own merchandise hassle-free without having to worry about sourcing product, without having to worry about couriering costs and get it getting it to the customer, doing potential. And, and, and really, I mean, like Brian, a lot of sports people don't have time for this stuff. They're busy training. They're busy keeping on top of things. They, they hire a manager to take care of a lot of the things, but they can't do everything. And, you know, no, running social media and running your own website is a major job. It is an extremely major job. And obviously I've, I've had to go through that process of, you know, setting up my own website. And then you start to worry about building APIs and, and all this stuff. So yeah. there's the one thing is you potentially don't have the time the second thing is the cost of it you know people don't understand what it costs to have a dot-com website doesn't don't understand what it costs to actually design and make a website um and i mean i can share you know one of our current springbox websites dot-com website is going for i think one hundred twenty thousand dollars, and that's just the website even before the the build has to happen so yes they don't have time so what we have to do, what we're trying to do with matchkit is give them an easy simple to use platform that consolidates all their online presence because if you don't know if the Brian Banner or the Sia Khaleesi or the Peter Stepto toy is that Peter Stepto toy's Instagram account, you know, where do you find that? If I, if you don't know Brian Banner's agent, for instance, you hopefully maybe send him a message on or DM on Instagram, hopefully yeah. with him reading that. But if it goes into his inbox because he doesn't follow you, that might never happen. So with Matchkit, we're giving this platform where you can centralize and commercialize those opportunities. You know, mention your sponsors. You know, in, in rugby, we are part of a team sport. You can't stand in a post-match interview and say, "Oh, thanks to Adidas for you know my boots. Thanks to this supplement company." <laughs> yeah. So you know? where do they you where do they get their value, right? Yeah. So where do they get their value? So being able to put that on matchkit.co, allow the, the profiles of those specific sponsors to be directed straight through to the sponsors' website um, and give visibility. You know, all of a sudden, you know, you're asking to to post un- unauthentic things on your social media profiles to promote a sponsor or partner. So I think, again, with Matchkit, we're trying to make it as simple, easy to use. Allow athletes, no matter what your tier, no matter what your discipline, um, you know, in rugby and soccer and all these big sports, is great. But, you know, think about the iron men and women out there, the cyclists who don't really get a coverage in terms of the global audience, but they do have a following. So where does that audience actually go to see who they are to potentially buy merchandise or get a voice note or video recording of themselves? And I think 
especially now in this pandemic, and I had to struggle with that redoing the Brian Abana Foundation before website. You know, yeah. how do you receive money for your charities of your choice? So, you know, we've built in a very simple plug and play charitable donation button on matchkit.co. So it truly is this opportunity, especially in the time like COVID and you know, the corona pandemic where sport has come to complete standstill up until three weeks ago. You know, a revenue loss of they saying something like forty-one billion dollars or sixty-one billion dollars. Um, wow. And you know, when athletes just need to try, you know, continue being and we've seen the digital content coming out, but giving them that platform to be able to try commercialize and, and allow their own brand to be consolidated in a professional way that is a single point of contact where mm. someone who potentially would like to sponsor them can immediately get a hold of them. If they don't have a dot com, you know, dot com or a website, you know, where does anyone wanting to get involved with an athlete, no matter what your tier is, to actually get in touch with you? Yeah, it's a very good idea. You're, you're involved in a number of other businesses too, and and you must be very busy. Do you still have time to to kind of get some some sport in? Do you still play for fun? Uh, I'm so I started racing. Obviously, raced against the cheetah while I was playing. I did a thing against. I remember AD, that. That AD, was that was very famous. Yeah. Very famous, but I'm probably racing against tortoises now. I literally don't think I've run anything more than 80 meters in the last in the last two years. Um, I've got a watt bike in the house that I sporadically do use. Yeah. But yeah, and again, I've been I've been really poor to be brutally honest. I'm grateful for also for a bit of space in the garden that you can you know play around with in the with the kids. But you know the stationary swing ball isn't really making me extremely active um, or putting me on a fitness level to take part in any form of epic Cape Argus, um, whatever that is. So I've actually had to say no to all of those things, but I don't want to embarrass myself at all. Yeah. Well, listen, dude, you, you're, you're never going to embarrass us. We're very pleased to, to hear from you and congratulations on all the things that you're doing for the foundation. Please keep up that good work and good luck with all the businesses. We'll, we'll talk to you again and catch up again, hopefully sometimes not too, uh, too far in the distant future. Yeah, thanks, Yarath, and yeah, obviously for, thanks, for you and your team. Thanks for giving the the airwaves, um, you know, some sure. some cool insights, and uh, looking forward to catching up in, in the near future. Thank you, dude. Nice to see you. This is CliffCentral.com.